Good to see all of your shining faces here, the ones of you who are here. For those of you who are out there on the internet, uh, welcome. Uh, we thank you for being with us tonight. And we pray that uh, what comes forth tonight, that uh, you will receive a blessing from it, uh, deliverance in some ways. But I know that you've enjoyed the praise and worship time. And as we were singing the song, Waymaker, it was talking about you know, God working when we don't see Him working. I think a lot of times when we ask the Lord for something and then it says ask and then it says to believe that things that you ask for shall come to half and then it says you shall have them. It says ask and believe and then receive. But a lot of times we ask and we believe and then we say we receive, but when we don't see immediate results, we begin to doubt Instead of thanking the Lord for receiving that you received it, if you receive something, you're thankful for it. If I was to reach out and give you a $20 bill and say, this is yours, and you say thank you, right? But I had a, I use a thing sometimes I'll take and uh, uh, take a bill or something. You don't have 20s because I can't give away $20 bills all the time. But uh, especially a lot of times I'll take a, a, a dollar bill if it's for kids, if there's kids in the service, and I'll go and I'll say, whose dollar hit bill is this? And they say, oh, it's yours. I can do with it anything I want to do with it, right? And they say, yeah, you can do anything you want, right? I say, yes. I say, but do you see this? And I'll pick a young man or a little girl out of the office. I say, you know what? I'm going to give it to that one right there. And I say, this dollar bill or $5 or whatever it is, I said, is no longer mine, but it's yours. And then I stick it back in my pocket. And wait and go on. Most of the time, nothing really happens. But I had this one little kid that was on the back row with his mother. And I guess when I said that to him, she, he leaned over to his mother and asked her, so I thought he'd give me that dollar bill. But he stuck it back in his pocket. She told me this later. And I said, well, if it's yours, go get it. And he said, Mom, he, he's preaching. She said, he said it was yours. Go get it from him. So he comes walking down the aisle, all the way from the back of the church, all the way up, and he stands right there. And I'm, I say, yes, young man, can I help you? And he says, can I have my dollar? I said, yes. And I gave him the dollar, and he walked back just as happy as a lark. See, many times, God gives it to us, but we don't ever come and receive it. We don't ever take possession of it. And so I think a lot of times what we need to be is thankful. You know, the Bible says we enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. That's in an approaching to God. But a lot of times we forget to thank him for what he's done. And when I was thinking about that song, Waymaker, and stuff, it says, even when you don't know he's working, he's working. Even when you don't see it, he's working. And that's the thing that we've done. And I was up with my wife. We uh, uh, went up to see her, uh, a couple of her friends up in Rhode Island. And we were at one of them's house, and they had a, a, a backed-up little river with a dam and a little stream, beautiful stream that ran by, and I really enjoyed drinking coffee out there listening to the water ripple. And one day I walked up to where this little dam was. It's just like a little overflow. It wasn't a massive dam. And I looked out. My wife and, and Julie were standing over to the side, and I looked out, and I saw all these big leaves that were falling off the trees. And all these leaves were out in the middle of this little lake area, retention area. And I looked at it, and the leaves weren't moving. But I sit there and I could see the water running over the fall. I'm sitting here on the fall and I just see water just flowing like crazy. It's just going over the fall. And I looked out there and those things weren't moving. I put my finger up against a tree and looked around. I said, they're not moving. And I said, God, there has to be something spiritual about that. I mean, there's something about that that you wanted me to get. 
And I went back up and I started writing it down. And the Lord revealed to me what it was. He says, even when you don't see me moving, you see the water flowing. So you know I'm moving even if you don't see it. That water was moving down below and going back over and coming back over. And it was going. And those leaves weren't moving. But he was doing something because sooner or later those leaves were going to go over there. I couldn't see it. But the Lord says, I'm working where you can't see. And that song, every time I see that, reminds me of that story. Okay? Would you stay with us? Let's give our profession of faith as we start tonight. The Lord God has given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hears to learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious, nor did I turn away. Thank you. Lord bless you. Father, I just pray right now, God, that you just anoint my lips tonight. Anoint the ears, Lord, of all those that are here, and Lord, all of those that are listening, and will listen, and will hear. God, I pray right now that the hearing be open, and the hearts are open, Lord. You said if our heart was prepared to receive, that your word would bring forth fruit. So, God, I just claim that right now. Let your anointing rest upon me tonight and rest upon your people. In Jesus' name, amen. As I was uh, working on this message, the Lord gave this message to me uh, probably several weeks ago, even before I went on vacation. As a matter of fact, I even told uh, Pastor Goodluck a little bit about it. And, um, and the Lord has probably changed this thing so many times. I don't know what reverse, I really don't know what revision this is. Um, but... I had the hardest time with the title to this message. Not that the, the title wasn't pretty good, but it was so long, I was worried that Teresa couldn't get it all on the, on, the, on the screen, and it would have been very difficult if she'd had to put it this big for you to see it. So instead of taking the negative approach and telling you what the problem is, I said I'll just shorten it and put what the remedy is. It's much easier to give the remedy sometime or the positive side of it than it is the other. So I changed it to make it simple and said living in true freedom. And when you talk about freedom, and I throw the word true in there. People say, wait a minute, there's only one freedom. You're either free or you're not free. Uh, yes, when Jesus sets you free, he says you're free indeed, right? We're going to talk about that scripture here in a few minutes. That's true. So... I hope that before this evening is over that many, I won't say all, just like if you do a salvation message, there's some of you already say, but I hope that you get something from it. But I really hope, because God laid on my heart so heavy, that in the church today, I see praise go forth. I see people praising, and then I see other people that it just seems like they get so, it's almost like the victory is right there. And you see them working toward that victory. And they stop short of the victory in their life. And they never seem to get to that point of victory. And I kept saying, Lord, why are we not getting the victories in our life that we all, I think everybody wants victories. Don't you want victory in your life? We all want to walk in victory. But many times it seems like we get so close. And, and, and I said, how many times do, uh, are things not going the way you want in your life? Uh, things keep happening that you don't want to happen. Uh, things that uh, you keep doing the same thing over and over again, but you never seem to get anywhere. 
ever wonder why the problem, ever wonder what the problem might be? Is there a problem? And you say, but I've asked Jesus Christ to come into my life. He's the Lord of my life. I've been baptized in the Holy Spirit, for heaven's sake. I mean, I got the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I speak in tongues for two hours, three hours a day. It doesn't, but then you say, but I can't seem to get pressed and get past these, what seems to be some kind of obstacle that's in my life. And when I was growing up, I would see, I, I would see things to where, I would see the excitement of people, and people would get excited when they was in church. But then they get back out into the, the on Monday morning. They get back out, and I would see them, and they just didn't have the same thing that they had when they were in the house of God. I said, "Lord, what's the difference?" And it, 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 I kept back. I was one of those why kids. Teachers hated me, especially my Sunday school teachers. I was what was called a why kid. I don't mean why like this. I mean why w h y. They would say something, and my response would be, why? And I remember Sister Spears, she was my high school, high school teacher. She, she told me after I got out of her class that I was the most challenging student in her class because she said she knew that when she studied her lesson, you know, they send you the lessons out with the little teachers, and she had more information than in the book for the students because they always give load the teachers up with something good, you know. But she knew she would start trying to, to decide, if I say this, Larry's going to ask me why. And I need to find out why. Because if I don't, I'm going to have to tell him I'll have to get back with you on that. Which she did a lot. But it didn't bother me. As long as she would get me, let me know about it, I was fine. So I asked the Lord the same thing. Why are we not getting to this point? I said, people are saved. Many of them filled with the, with the Holy Spirit, but it's not happening. So they're free, yes, because Jesus said they're free. They're free, but they're not free. Because freedom is right there. And not getting here, but not getting there. And so the real title of my message, the one that I was going to use that was about this long, which tells you a little bit, might tell you a little bit more about where we're headed in this thing, it's deep-rooted issues that keeps us from reaching our full potential, or you could say receiving what God has for us. Now, this is, will not be, may not be popular, um, but it's the Word of God. That's all I can say. Don't get mad at me. I see a lot of pastors say, don't get mad at me. The Word of God is the Word of God, so we have to live with the Word of God. But true freedom comes when we're able to walk in, walk in. In the Word of God. Okay? You can't walk with God if you're not walking in the Word of God. So if we're not able to fulfill the things that are in God's Word, we must back up and say, why are we not getting to these particular points? Now, the Bible tells us that sin, we ask Jesus Christ to come into our life and ask Him to forgive us of our sins. How many of you know that if you, got, if you ask God to forgive you all your sins, he, he forgave you of all of your sins? Okay? All of them. Because that's what it says. And it says all things have passed away and all things have become new. Second Corinthians, right? 5.17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you are in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So if they've passed away, they are no longer an issue with God. They're no longer 
an issue with God. Problem. Do you still have an issue with it? God doesn't have an issue with it. He says old things have passed away and all things, all, that's not a laundry detergent. That is all, meaning inclusive. All things are new. I have forgotten your past. I have forgiven you for it. And I have forgotten it. Now, he forgot about it. And I tell the guys in prison a lot of times, I said, you know, a lot of times when we, when we ask Jesus Christ to come in our life, it seems like the very next day the thing that was the hardest thing for us to give up is the first thing we fall back into. Does that seem that way? You know, you, if, you, if you don't, uh, if, you, if you eat too much, and you say, Lord, I'm not going to eat too much, the next day you eat twice as much as you ate yesterday. But the thing about it, we say, Lord, and we get so guilty. And we say, Lord, I know that I did and asked you to forgive me for this yesterday. And I know, Lord, that I messed up. No, he doesn't. He, did, he said he forgot about the time you overate yesterday. You're the one that remembered it, not him. You're the one that brought it into the conversation, not him. He said, I forgive you for it, and I'm going to forget about it. Now, he has the ability that we don't have, and that is to forget. We're supposed to forgive, but he forgives and forgets, right? So we look at this and we say, well, being this new creature, everything, everything's past. Now everything is gone. But like I said, there's a few people that remember your sins. You, maybe the ones you sinned against or did something against, and the devil. Now, God's out of the picture. He's completely out of the picture. Remember, he forgot about it. He forgave you and he forgot about it. But because it is still in the knowledge base and in our brains, the devil can remind us of our failures and the things that we do. So if we, if we do not take care of the issues of the past, they become deep-rooted in us. A lot of times we put Band-Aids on things to stop the bleeding. The, most, the worst thing about Band-Aids is pulling them off. Because a lot of times when you pull it off, you pull the scab off with it if you don't have those good Band-Aids. When I was little, we had bad Band-Aids. The ones that had the gauze on them and the gauze would just dry in the scab. And then you say, mother say, time to get it off. And when they do it, pull the scab right back off. Oh, we need to put a Band-Aid back on. I say, no, just let it drip. I'll just go without it, Okay. So, even when we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior and we put, and our past sins are forgiven, but there are many times that major events in our past may hold on to us, and that hinders our spiritual development. That hinders our spiritual walk because it's like that scab that keeps getting pulled off every time something comes up and reminds you of that particular thing. In John 8, it says, As he spoke these words, many believed in him. Jesus was teaching uh, all of the multitudes there. And it's coming after the Beatitudes. He said, and when, and when they said to the Jews 
who believed in him. If you abide in my word, notice the if. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Now, pastor's wanting us to have disciples. So how do you get disciples? How does it say? If you abide in my word, if you abide in my word, if you abide. And there's an if there. To become a disciple, you must choose to do something. Okay? That's not my message tonight, so I've got to keep ruling. Okay? And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The truth shall make you free. That means if you know what the absolute truth is, then you know that truth and walk in that truth. But how do you find the truth? In His Word. In His Word. That's where the truth is. And so Jesus said unto them, and excuse me, then they answered, We're Abraham's descendant and have never been in bondage to anyone. Wait a minute. Weren't they in Egypt for 400? Weren't they Syrians and Romans? No. They they just were never in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? We're already free. (laughs) Jesus answered, Most assuredly, I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. Okay? And the slave, the sin, does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Talking about him. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. So, how can you have more freedom than that? There isn't any greater freedom than that. If we walk in that. But then who puts us back into the bondage? Bible talks about don't let us return back into the bondage that we had before. Don't return back to where it is. So it's not God who puts us back in bondage. We put ourselves in bondage. Because it's our choice to turn and to go back to those things that we still want to have or hold on. Now that was a message I preached about a few weeks ago. I guess it's been a couple of months ago. But... It's not the Word that does it. That's the freedom. It's not God. It's not Jesus. It's not the Holy Spirit. The only choice is left is Satan, people, us, somebody that comes in the flesh. So, tonight I'd like to share a few of, I'm going to call them what they are, and I know it's not popular, but I'm going to call them sins because they really are. You noticed in my title, I didn't say sin. I said deep-rooted issues. Do you know why I said that? So you wouldn't turn off before I got started. (laughs) But I'm going to call it what it is. Sin is sin, any way you cut it. And the middle letter of sin is I. And I is the problem with sin. Okay? But sin, what is it? People say... Don't sin. Okay. What is it? Anybody know what sin is? Huh? Sin. Define literally. I'm just going to give you a little something, very little. I know we're not supposed to be little today. Everything's supposed to be air. Anyway. 
Don't go there, Larry. Okay. It's to miss the mark. If you put a target up and you got a dart, we'll say you know those dart boards. If the target is up there and you throw the dart and it doesn't hit the target, you miss the target. Okay? Now, what is the target for our life that if we don't hit that target, we sin? The Word of God. That's the reason he says you have to walk in the Word. You have to live, live in the Word because that's the only way you're going to keep sin from reigning into your life. Right? So that's the target that we miss. So if this tells us to do something and we don't do it, what is it? Paul says, if you know to do good and doeth it not to you, it is sin. If God said, be my witness and you don't witness, have you sinned? Uh-oh. Quit preaching started middling. No. But there are things that God tells There are things he tells us not to do, and there are things that he tells us to. He, he tells us to keep his commandments. But he, he also tells us to, to be his witnesses, to, to, to go out and uh, to do things in our life, to walk in holiness, to walk in the good things. He puts many things for us to do. If he tells us not to do something, then that's a sin. So you have the sins of omission. That's the ones where you don't do what he tells you to do. In other words, he tells you to do something, so you omit that by sin. And if you do something you're not supposed to do, you have committed a sin, so you have a sin of commission. You committed the sin. All right, so all of these things are there. Now, when the Bible tells us that we are to do something, then we are to do it, right? And if we don't do those simple things, they are going to affect our lives. All right, so first one I want to so even though there are many, catch this, areas in the Word of God that we could discuss, I want to just limit it tonight to about four of them, okay, because I don't want to get long. So the first one I want to talk with is something that you, you've probably heard it many times, and hopefully I won't get hung up on it and I can just move forward to the rest of them. And that is unforgiveness, which is based on the sin of hatred. You, can't, you can forgive somebody as long as you don't hate. But when you, if you want to use nice words and say, well, I dislike, God calls it hate. He calls it hatred, okay? But we cannot have hatred. It's a strong word, and I understand it. But this many times is a strong word, but it's also a strong hold on our lives because we're not willing to forgive. Matthew 6, 14 and 15 says, for if, I like the word if, Mike backs me up on the word if, because Mike and I teach, especially in prison, a lot of times, it's the ifs and the thens. If you do this, then God will do that. If you do this, then God will do that. Okay? Something that we have to do. If, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. So we must forgive people. But then it goes on kind of says it a little bit stronger. It says, but if you do not Forgive men their trespasses against you. Neither will your father forgive you your trespasses. I don't know about you, but that doesn't need a lot of scriptural interpretation. 
I don't have to go to the Greek. I don't have to go to Vines. I don't have to go to Weast. I don't have to go to the Matthew Henry Commentary. I don't have to go to, to, to find out and dissect each and every word of this to understand what God is trying to say here. It's pretty evident that God says, if, if I'm going to forgive you, you have a responsibility to forgive people who have treated you wrong. But the problem is, there are many times in our lives, even though forgiveness is necessary in our walk with the Lord, it says there are times and things that have happened throughout our lives that were sometimes maybe even tragic. For forgiving people who have hurt you deeply in the past, maybe someone, and, I, and, and I'm not saying any of this stuff, but I know that there are people that have dealt with these, some of these things. But if someone raped you, someone did a physical assault on you, someone beat you up, somebody had a verbal assault against you, somebody killed a loved one of yours, maybe through an accident, or maybe just murdered them outright, maybe, maybe you had a bad divorce, there are many, many, many things in our lives that are, are tragic in our lives that we've gone through. Some of them from the time that we're very young children. Okay, But the thing about it is, is God says, no matter how bad it is, you must forgive. Okay, Now, it, these hurts are hard. We can't forget about it, but we can forgive it. And I tell you one time, there was somebody who did something to me. I know some of you say, you know, why would anybody or anything do anything to sweet Larry? I wasn't always sweet. But I had a company, and we wanted to expand some business. And so we didn't have a lot of money. And so we went to this one. We went to this company, and they said, "Yeah, we'd like to be part of it. We'll give you this amount of money." And it was a pretty big, large sum of money. It was a lot of money to me because this was back in the seventies, and a hundred thousand dollars in the seventies was a lot of money. And so we were going to use it to open new markets. Well, the thing about it is I got out there and started opening the markets. I didn't need the money. We started opening markets. God just started blessing. And, and it was, but two of my Christian brothers were with me. We were, just, we were just going like crazy. All of a sudden, we got called back to this attorney that had put all this together. And he says, um, you guys aren't spending any of the money we put in your corporation. I said, well, we haven't needed it yet. He said, well, you need to spend it. I said, why do we need to spend it for? I don't understand this. I said, we're making money. He says, yeah, but your projection said that you were going to lose money for a, a year to 18 months. He says, you come right out of the shoes making money. That's not what we wanted. I said, well, isn't that a good thing? He says, no. Come to find out, they had, they, they had established us as an S corporation to lose money. And I said, well, you can have your money back. He took out a 45, laid it on the table and says, not going to happen. I said, no, sir, son, you can have it all walking away from this. Now, it was hard for me to forgive that person. And it, it took me a long time to get to that point to where I could forgive that person for what they had done to me. But I tell you what, I did it. I prayed about it, and I prayed about it, and I prayed about it. And I remember years later, this has been probably back in the, I don't know, 80s, 90s, whatever, went into a restaurant with my wife. And here was this man and his wife and his daughter sitting at a table. I told my wife, that's the person that I had to forgive. So I went over, took her over, and I said, well, Mr. So-and-so, I'd like to introduce my wife to you. And uh, the daughter, I'd actually babysitted her some. She got up and hugged my neck. She was an older girl. She was, she was a little squirt when I knew her. 
And so I just wanted to let you know, I want to say God bless you. And walked back and sat down at my table. The man couldn't even eat. Got up and walked away from his dinner. Because it was harder on him because he was the one that had wronged. But I had to be the one to forgive. Okay? And that's the same thing. It doesn't matter what's happened. And these things get hung in there. And if, if you're forgiven, if you're forgiven, you must forgive them. Jesus hung on a cross. They beat him within an inch of his life. And he said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. So God expects us to have that forgiving spirit. And you say, well, can, that, can that affect my spiritual life? Of course. Of course it can. Because you've got something in your life that's stopping you from being able to go to that next level, to that next step to get you to where you need to be in the Lord. So how do you overcome this? How do you overcome? How do you forgive somebody? See, everybody tells us to forgive, but they don't want to tell us how. Because people say, you just don't understand, I can't do it. i tell you the easiest way to do it. It's gone. Oh. Just turn it off. That's fine. Oh, it's gone? Okay. I'll just take this off. That was the most uncomfortable part anyway. Where was I? Oh, the way to, the way to give, we know to, to, that we're supposed to forgive, but then how do we forgive? What you have to do is you have to begin to bless them. I had to bless him. Lord, bless him in his business that he robbed from me. That's how it started. But the more I blessed him, the more I got blessed. You know what I'm saying? The more I blessed him, I got blessed. First of all, not forgiving someone else has no effect on them whatsoever. They could, they may not even care and may not even know how they hurt you. Some things, they may not have even known it. The only person that's being affected by that is us. Because we're the one that's having to have that spirit inside of us to forgive, right? Oh, Lord, mercy, i got to fly. Okay. Next. We'll skip the rest of that. Let me just give you the scripture. Uh, Romans 12, 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. And that's what we want to do in the flesh. But it says, bless those who have done you wrong. Who have done you wrong. That's how you get past it. That's how you get down the road. Next is the sin of fear. I'm not talking about COVID fear. We're not talking about fears now. We're not talking about things that we fear today, fear tomorrow, or the things that... I'm talking about deep-rooted fears. I'm talking about those things that happen way back into our life and something that we were feared in the past that is affecting us now and will affect our future. When we fear things... I give, let me just give a couple examples and then we'll go with that. Uh, take, for instance, a lot of times a, a, a woman will say, you know, my mother died of cancer when she was 40. My grandmother died of cancer when she was 45. My aunt died of cancer when she was 45. And what is she fearing? Until She's fearing the age of 40 to 45. And so for 45 years of her life, she fears the day that she hears the big word. She got the same thing that her mother or grandmother or her aunt had. 
that will affect your physical life, your physical sicknesses in your own body because of what it puts you through, that fear that's underlying down there, deep-seated, down in there, that needs to be pulled up out of the roots and not just picked off every time like a scab and let it just keep going every time. Dad died of a stroke with high blood pressure. He was in his 50s. My grandfather, he was in his 50s. Well, you're just waiting for what? For the 50s to get up and your high blood pressure and you're checking your blood pressure every day. Waiting to get that high blood pressure report. Fear. This is not what we're supposed to do. It's just, you know, things. Uh, fears that uh, create things. There are many people, we talk about those, but fears like something in your past happened again. Like you were raped once, but you fear being raped again. You were assaulted once, so you're afraid you get assaulted. You were abandoned one time, so now you're afraid to get in relationships. Why? Because you're afraid that you'll be abandoned again. You fear things in your life. How many people get a divorce and don't want to get married again? Because why? If I get divorced once, I must get divorced again. So they don't want to look because they're fearful. Fearful of what things have happened again. Things that we fear that take care and keep us from getting that relationship that we need with the Lord. It keeps us from getting to that level that we need to be with the Lord. Because these are not just issues. They're sin. Their fear is a sin no matter how you cut it one way or the other. It is. There's only one fear that's not bad. And that's the one that we've lost. We got the fear, the wrong kind of fear. We were having abundance of that wrong kind of fear. But the right kind of fear that we're supposed to have, we've lost. And that is a reverent fear of God and who God is and what He is in our lives. God wants us to be something greater than that. He wants us to know who He is. Yes, we're living in His love. Yes, we're living in the day of grace. But I'm telling you, one day He's going to stand in judgment. And you had better... I don't mind. I know the word I have a father, they say means daddy, but we've lost the reverence of God. I'm sorry. When I look at my God, when I look at Jesus, my father, or I see my father and I see Jesus who died on the cross, I'm sorry. He may be my father, but I can't look at him as just my daddy. He's more to me than that. My dad is my dad. I've lost my dad and I miss my dad. But I tell you, God is more to me than just a dad. My God, he's my father. That's what he said. Don't call anybody else that but me. I'm your father. I'm the real father in your life. And we want to call everything father. Then we ended up turning around and calling earth mother. (laughs) Now, how do we overcome fear? Through the word. Through the word. Uh, John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not of this world gives you, but I give it to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Psalms 56, 3 through 4. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. Talking about God. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. Is that where you put it? In him? Then we don't let these past fears control us. We turn it loose, pull it up, and let God have it in his word. Okay? Now, this one is a big one coming up. and this, I'm going to fly through it. The sin of one that you've probably never heard of before. Inferiority. The feeling of being inferior. How does that affect your service for the Lord and your servanthood? Ever 
Anyway, many people live with inferiority complexes and constantly frustrated. This is caused by many different things, but we must understand who we are and who is our source. God is our source, not us. Okay? People who have, ta- who have had their confidence taken away is, have these problems with them. Now, there's different kinds that causes this. I'm going to go quick. Consistent disapproval. Inferiority persists in a sense of inadequacy or a tendency to underrate oneself and one's abilities. Some people receive negative messages throughout their childhood. Maybe you were told that you were an unwanted child. You were seldom praised for your accomplishments. If the person is never able or pleased with his or her parents, it's easy to grow up with feelings of inferiority. It could have started this young. But you say, yeah, but Jesus forgave me of my sins. Yes, but you're still holding on to your inferiority that God says you don't know who you are and where your source is. You're depending on what somebody else said you are. You're not depending on what I say you are. Okay? Then you got the unbalanced approval. That's some people who receive positive messages throughout their childhood, but still they have inferiority issues. Why? The feelings of inferiority surface when you recognize your own weakness. You know down deep inside that you aren't superior, but average, and you feel like you're deceiving everyone. We need positive input, input, but it must be realistic and balanced. No one is absolutely perfect in any way. There must be a balance when you get some of this and some of that. Then there's those that are being controlled. A lot of women deal with control issues. But I hate to say it, but there's a lot of men that deal with control issues. Both. And this is where they are control issues where the person can develop feelings of inferiority if he or she has been controlled by someone consistently for a long period of time. Maybe a father, a mother, uh, critical or conditioning. Might be a husband, a wife. Maybe just a teacher, a coach who said, you're never going to be a basketball player. This is not bragging. Somebody said if you did it, it's not bragging. But when I was in the seventh grade, I'd never played football. And when they handed out the jerseys to the whole team, I got the ones like my dad had used 20-something years before playing football, probably 25 years before. It was supposed to be maroon, but it was purple. You know how the pretty nice block letters, you know how you get the new jersey with block letters? I had that old, you know, like the ones you see on the old long sleeve things. Because nobody ever expected me to be able to do anything. But I wanted to play football. So when they said, who wants to be an end? I looked to see if anybody got in the end line. If nobody was in there, I got in it. I just wanted to play. When too many people got over there in the end and they needed to tackle, I moved over to tackle. They somebody there, I moved on over here. I kept moving. Because I kept trying to find me a place. Well, it come time, I was fifth or sixth string of whatever position I was. And the coach one day says, we've got to have a specialty team today, so we want to know if you think you can kick a football. I want you to come over here with Coach Lapo over here. And his name's Lapozanski, but they called him Lapo. Come over here, and we're going to kick a little bit. See if you can kick. 
So one guy kicked it, and another guy kicked it, and I kicked it. I'm about four or five back in line, and finally I get up there, and I take the ball, and I kick it, and I kick the thing, and it goes, he said, can you do that again? I said, sure. He said, you're the kicker. I got a position. That kicking position allowed me to play varsity ball when I was in the eighth grade. Because I could keep it farther than the 12th graders. But when I finally got up there and somebody recognized me, I got a place. And I finally was able to play what I wanted to play, football. And I got my scholarship. They paid for my education. I thank the good Lord for that. But what I'm saying is we have to believe in ourselves of what we are and who we are. Now, you... How do you identify and know that this is happening to you? Answer these questions to yourself. When your plans don't work out, do you get easily discouraged and consider it a personal failure? Are you plagued with doubts about your ability? Do you constantly think, I can't do it? Do you hide your feelings by acting arrogant or superior when you feel challenged or threatened? Do you get angry when things don't go your way? Are you rigid and inflexible and very resistant to change? If you're this way, we're all vulnerable to these feelings. But we must deal with them and realize that we are not our own anymore. We've been bought with a price, the price that's paid for us. And he said, I am your source. You look at Jeremiah, I don't want to get into the whole story of Jeremiah, but Jeremiah, he said, I cannot speak. In Jeremiah 1, 4 through 10, if you want to read it, he says, he said, oh God, I cannot speak. I am a youth. <laughs> but the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth. Okay? And he goes on and says, but I, I, don't be afraid of their faces, for I will be with you, and I will deliver you. And then he touched my mouth, and he put words in my mouth. Jeremiah was under God's authority, and you... All of us are under God's authority. That's where we are. Jeremiah was protected by God's presence. We are protected by God's presence. God was Jeremiah's source and his ability. And God is our source and God is our ability. Okay? 2 Corinthians 3, 4 through 5. And we have such trust through Christ towards us. Not that we are sufficient in ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves. But our sufficiency is from God. Apart from God, we are nothing. John 15 verse 5 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I can't stand up here and minister to you tonight without God in here. It's not me. It's God in me. God is our source. In Philippians 4.13, the favorite one, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And the last one I want to talk with you, and I've got to go quickly, is this is a big one. This is the flop of forgiveness. What would you think the flop from forgiveness would be? The opposite, the, 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 prop, the other side of forgiveness. 
the guilt of the one who did it. Okay? The sin of guilt. We all have things in our past that we have done that we're not proud of. I am. But what I'm talking about tonight is the things that you have done in your past that still make you feel unworthy for what God wants to bless you with today. God wants to bless us, but guilt is that which you do to someone else. And if you have done something, it's not important what you did. What's important is what have you done with it. If you did it, you need to ask for forgiveness because you shouldn't have done that, right? If you know the person that you did it to, some of this stuff may have happened so long ago, the person might not even be alive today. They may not even know that you did it to them. They may have forgot that you did it to them, you know? But the thing about it is, if you know, then ask forgiveness from them if necessary, and if you can. But the point is, ask God to forgive you for it. Now, if God has forgiven you for it, okay, then if the answer to that is yes, then why are you still carrying the guilt around with you today? Why are you still bound up in that today and not walking in the full freedom, the true freedom that God wants you to have? Because once you've asked Him to forgive you of it, it's forgotten. He has forgot about it. He separated Himself. Why do you want to keep dragging it on? And so many people are so concerned about what they have done in the past. Can you imagine somebody who had murdered somebody? What if you were the person, when I talked about the example, I said, you have to forgive that person that killed a loved one of yours because it was a drunk driver. Have you ever thought about what that person has to go through for the rest of their life? Taking a human life? The guilt that they have in their life, that they ended the life of somebody prematurely because of a problem on their own? There may be some of you out here or out there, in the, out there in watching us on the Internet that maybe something as critical as that has happened. Maybe some point in life you kill somebody. You did the old thing that we're talking about. You took a human life. Does that mean that God can't forgive you for it? No. We tell the prisoners all the time, it doesn't matter what it is. God's a big God. It doesn't matter what they're in there for. And I was, I can tell you about this one. We gave a guy who had t- tattoos all over his body. Had gang affiliations, had devil emblems all over his face. I mean, he was just tattooed all over the place. Mike wasn't there the week. He had, he had set him up the week before telling him we were going to talk about the Holy Spirit. And so I went there. I think Carly was with me. We went there, and all of a sudden we were going to teach. Carly was going to teach something else. And this one guy says, this guy with said, I thought we was going to get the Holy Spirit tonight. Carly turned around to me. I said, okay, we're doing the Holy Spirit. So I started on the Holy Spirit. So we got ready to run to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden I said, okay, if you want to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, raise your hand. Well, he raised his hand, but he said, I got a question. He said, I said, what's the question? He said, shouldn't I get saved first? <laughs> I said, yeah, you need to get saved. So I led him to the Lord, and then three of the guys all stood up and got them all filled with the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues. They were just speaking like crazy. So happy, whatever. Comes back two weeks later. He got, a two, he got another tattoo. I said, Lord, what did he do that for? He had tattoos all over his face, all over his head, in his ears. But he had a spot right here on his, on his face. There was a clear spot just along here. And he went and had, a ta- had, had somebody in the prison get a tattoo now. A tattoo that said, God's son. 
ask him why he did that. He says, do you see all of this? And he says, it's all under here and it's all down here. Everybody looks at me, all they can see is Satan symbols and worshiping devil and everything. I wanted to put it somewhere where everybody could know I belong to God. I'm a son of God. And I'm telling you tonight, you are a son of God. It doesn't matter what that man did. doesn't understand what that kid did. God forgave him. He knew God was his father. He knew who he was. And it's time for us to recognize who we are and that we need to forgive people. We need to get rid of these deep-seated fears. A weed, if you pull a weed... You know those ones got those long tap roots that goes down? You go out to pull them, and you pull, and you pull, and all you do is strip the leaves off of them, and then you finally just break them off at the ground? Guess what? It's coming back. It's tighter. We need to quit taking the tops off of them, stripping them off, and try breaking them off, and we need to get something a deep root down in there and let the Word of God penetrate, grab a hold of that, accept the fact of what God's Word says, and live in that victory of Christ. That's what God wants us to do. Therefore, Romans 8, 1, therefore there is no condemnation. Condemnation is nothing but guilt. There is no guilt to those that are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh but walk according to the Spirit. And it's time for us to start walking in the Spirit and quit walking in the flesh. Quit dragging the flesh along with you and just shed it and get on with it and walk in the Spirit of God. Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified, we have to know who we are. Understanding who you are is important. I'm just going to talk quickly. Being justified. That means as though you had never sinned. Romans 5 says, Therefore, being, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We must be a child of God. Just like this kid said, I'm a son of God. John 1.12 says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name. Believe in his name and also believe in what his word says. Conclusion. First one. God wants you to have the best life possible as you live for Him. He wants you to live completely free from any type of bondage that's holding you back. When you asked Him to forgive you and you accepted Him into your lives, He did exactly what you asked Him to do. He accepted you. He forgave you. He forgot your sins, and He took you in to become His son or daughter. He did exactly what He said He would do. Your past is just that. It's past. There's only one person that can change your past, and that's Jesus Christ. Because He forgets your past so it doesn't exist anymore when you accept Jesus Christ. Sometimes it's just hard to accept God's Word and do all that He has commanded. But God wants you to walk in complete and true freedom. Root out the things that are holding you back. Secret sins. Secret sins. Things that you've held, you, you've hid it from everyone. And you carry that secret. God said that secret is going to be revealed. God's going to put light on it. He's going to reveal it. Get it out. Quit, quit walking in the sins of secrecy. Let God's light shine on your life that's there. Father, I thank you. Thank you. Lord, I thank you for your word. And 
I pray, Lord, right now that, God, that you help all of us here and all those that are listening out there. Is there someone that you haven't forgiven? Take care of it. Root it out. Don't have fear the things of your past. They're under the blood of Jesus. Jesus has forgiven you. But you must forgive those that have wronged you. Fear must go in Jesus' name. God, I pray that all of these things that we discussed tonight, Lord, that you will give us a peace and give us the strength, Lord, through the Holy Spirit. Lord, I pray right now that the Holy Spirit, Lord, helps right now as we put these aside so that we can break the bonds that keep us from going to that next level of you. Lord, you're preparing this church for a great move. But, Lord, we all have to have all of the closets cleaned out in our past. Get them free. Father, if there's any out there today that does not know you as a personal Savior, Lord, I pray right now that they receive you. And if you don't know him, Ask Him tonight to come into your heart to be the Lord of your life. Believe that He died for your sins. Believe that He was raised from the dead. And He said, if you ask me, I'll come in and I'll be your Lord. I'll be your Savior. I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for those that have been here tonight and listened. I thank you, Lord, for your anointing and your praise. And that what you did for each and every one of us tonight. Father, I ask you to go with us to our homes. Keep our heads of safety around us that no danger of heart should come to us. And may the word that has gone forth, may it penetrate tonight and help those in need. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Lord bless you. Praise the Lord.